Now, go ahead. Today, I want to invite you to join me in getting a handle on the deity of Yeshua. This is an issue which we're obliged to consider uh, frequently and to defend occasionally. And it's one in which there's a lot of anxiety and confusion. And I, I wanna give you a handle on that. You'll notice this illustration. This is a doorknob made like a hand. It's a handle. And uh, we wanna get a handle on the doorknob, uh, rather a handle on the deity of Yeshua. So let's look first at five mistakes that people make, people like you and me, when we defend and proclaim the deity of Yeshua, five mistakes. Here's number one. We forget that words have denotation, that's what they mean, and also connotation, what they imply. And we're, we need to be careful how we use words. Uh, for example, saying Yeshua is God is one kind of statement. Saying that what God the Father is and does, Yeshua also is and does, is slightly different. Here's my point. Are we to assume that at Mount Sinai, Moses was speaking to Yeshua? That's sloppy thinking. Yeshua had not yet taken on human flesh. And uh, when we talk about God, we're talking about the most, uh, for us, the most abstract and complicated concept imaginable. It's not even beyond our imaginations. So we need to be avoid being ham-fisted. And uh, uh, so uh, to simply say to people, look, I believe that God, that Yeshua is God, that Yeshua spoke to Moses. and uh, and uh, that uh, Yeshua spoke to uh, to Isaiah, and uh, that Yeshua part of the Red Sea. That may be very gratifying for you, but it's sloppy language. It's not the way the Bible talks about the mystery of who Yeshua is. So uh, that'll be a little more clear to you as we go on to mistake number two. We need to avoid applying arithmetic categories. Uh, Moise Rosen, may he rest in peace, uh, was a man who had flashes of brilliance. Really, he did. And on one occasion, he was speaking at UC Berkeley at the beginning of the Jesus Revolution. So he's speaking at UC Berkeley, and people are giving him a hassle about the Trinity. So he goes up to the chalkboard, and he writes the integer one on the blackboard, and he says, there, I've counted God. Well, if you have any sensibility, you realize that doesn't feel right. Because God is infinite. Simple arithmetic categories do not describe him. You cannot count God. So when we discuss Yeshua, the Holy Spirit, and the Father, let's avoid being simplistically wrong, uh, arithmetic. It just doesn't work. We're, you know, we're way out of that category of one and one is two and two and two is four. That's the second mistake we make. A third mistake 
is we try to give explanations instead of discovery. Yeshua never sat his disciples down and uh, gave them a bullet-pointed talk and says, let me explain to you fel fellas how I'm, I am God, how I am deity. I'm, I'm going to give you four principles. I want you to remember these. Yeshua doesn't do that. Yeshua's deity was known and communicated through his demonstration of who he was and the disciples discovering, well, this guy, uh, hold it a minute, this guy is not just your average Jew, so cross that out. Uh, he's, he's a prophet. Okay, that's good. But he's not your average prophet either. He's more than a prophet. Oh, he must be the Messiah. And they had trouble finding language to describe him. They borrowed language from what's called wisdom theology because they had no language to describe the absolutely unique encounter they had with Yeshua. But they reached the conclusion that he was God through observing his behavior and through discovering things about him. They did not learn this through explanations. So when we're trying to communicate Yeshua's deity to people, it's better that we should put them in a position where they're reading the Gospels, for example, and discovering for themselves that this guy bursts the categories. It's better to do that than to sit them down and draw a diagram. We're going to see more about that in a minute. There's five mistakes, and then I'm going to give you five handles. That was the third mistake. Here's the fourth. Explaining too much. Respect the mystery of God's essential nature. Don't draw diagrams. Don't try to, don't dummy God down to your, your ex explanations. Like, you should, like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the same as water, steam, and uh, ice. Oh, no. Because ice can become water, and water can become steam. But the Son doesn't become the Father, and the Father doesn't become the Holy Spirit. It's a ham-fisted comparison. So don't explain too much. Explain to people who say, look, uh, this is the way I explain it. I tell people, you know, I live about three miles from JPL. I do. If I went into the cafeteria of JPL and I sat down at a table and, uh, for lunch and a man sits down next to me who's an astrophysicist and I say to him, uh, uh, tell me, uh, tell me about your work. I guarantee you within the first sentence, I'm already lost because this is way out of my class. I just don't have the categories to understand astrophysics. Well, we don't have the categories to understand the essential nature of God, but that doesn't upset me. You can go to Jehovah's Witnesses and get a handy dandy explanation of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everything is nicely explained. That's how I know it's not true. If you get somebody who explains God to you in a neat and tidy little diagram, uh, politely excuse yourself because our arms are too short to box with God. And uh, we need to respect the mystery of God's essential nature and uh, be careful not to draw diagrams. Tell people, look, I can tell you what I know, but if you think I can explain it, you got to get somebody else. Number five, a failure to rely upon God's self-revelation. God is a self-revealing God. 
when Yeshua says to the disciples, okay, fellas, uh, uh, this is your uh, final exam, or your midterm. Who do people say that I am? And they give him a couple of answers. Then he says, okay, who do you say that I am? And uh, Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Yeshua says to him, boy, you're so bright. I'm glad you got it. I've been explaining this to you guys for years. And finally, Peter, man, you caught it. Now, that's not what he says. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Hold on a second while I sneeze. <clears throat> he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father in heaven. And when people come to understand who Yeshua is, when you came to understand who Yeshua is, when I came to understand who Yeshua is, it's not because I was bright. It's not because somebody gave me a fancy dancing explanation. It's because God chose to reveal his son. Paul uses that expression. He says, when God was pleased to reveal his son in us, that's, what he, that's how he refers to us. So let's look quickly at five handles. Five things you can do to understand why Yeshua is deity. Five ways to help people discover the deity of Yeshua. We use the mnemonic hands. That's why you have the diagram up there. H is for honor. Yeshua shares honor due to God alone. In John chapter 5, Yeshua says this. Says that all the, the, uh, he says that all should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. That's blasphemy if it's not true. That we should honor Yeshua the way we honor God. God doesn't share his glory with anyone. Yeshua receives worship. That's another way he shares God's honor. In, in, uh, when, he's trans when he uh, is ascending to heaven at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, some of the people bowed down and worshipped, and others doubted. I love that. It's so true to human experience. Here he is ascending in their very eyesight, and yet some people are doubting. Why? Because, man, that kind of thing doesn't happen. Well, others worshipped, and Yeshua received worship. As a matter of fact, when uh, Doubting Thomas says, I'm not going to believe this stuff unless I put my hands in his side and in, and in the holes in his hands. Yeshua then appears to him and he invites him to do that. And what does Thomas say? He says, my Lord and my God. Does Yeshua say, don't say that? No. So Yeshua receives honor due to God alone. And in the future, all will honor the Father, even as they honor the Son. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua, the Messiah, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So first, now there's more that I could say, but that would only confuse you. Just get this point. One of the evidences for Yeshua's deity is that he receives honor that belongs to God alone. Secondly, H-A-N-D-S, the second A is his attributes. Yeshua shares in the Father's attributes, that is, his qualities, his characteristics. For instance, Colossians says that in him, Yeshua, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells 
bodily. All the fullness. Now, now get that. Everything that God is, is resident in Yeshua. Wow. Yeshua shares God's eternality. He says in John 8, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. Because if that wasn't true, it was blasphemy 101. He shares, he has omnipotence. He says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He shares the Father's omnipotence. Here's a few more. He's a life giver. Yeshua says in John 5, just as the Father has life in itself, so the Son has life in himself. So the Son has life in himself. The Son can raise the dead because he has life in himself. He's the, he's the source of, of, of eternal life, like the Father. This is, he shares unit, uh, uh, attributes with the Father. He shares unity with the Father. Look at John 17. Yeshua makes that statement in various ways. It'll blow your mind. He says, uh, uh, I'm, uh, says uh, he says he's one with the Father. He is the judge of all. You also see that in, um, in Acts chapter 17, verse 23 and 28. Acts 17, 23 and 28. You also see this unity with the Father in the... Uh, in John 17 and elsewhere. He's the judge of all. He says that in John chapter 5. And there's much more. He shares attributes with the Father that that uh, that are that define deity. Thirdly, N is for name. Yeshua shares the Father's divine name. He's the Lord upon whom upon whom all should call. That you know, the, the book of Isaiah speaks about calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. Well, Yeshua arrogates that passage to himself. Paul actually assigns it to him. There are parallel texts where the Father's name and Yeshua's name, where, where passages used in Isaiah of Adonai are used of Yeshua by Paul. And he's not embarrassed by it. He assigns deity to Yeshua. Uh, for example, Joel chapter 2, verse 32, compare that with Romans 10, 13. If you're taking notes, Joel 2, 32, Romans 10, 13. We're coming into the, down to the wire, H-A-N-D-S. D is for deeds. Yeshua shares in the Father's deeds. He's the co-creator. He sustains the universe by his power. He performed miracles. He forgave sins. And you remember how people responded when Yeshua forgave sins. They said, who is this that forgives sins? That only God can do that. Well, yes, you're right. He didn't say, my father forgives you. He's saying, I, for I forgive you your sins, that your sins are forgiven by me. He is the one who meets out forgiveness. So he does what only God can do. And that's just part of it. Finally, seated. S is for seated. H-A-N-D-S is for seated. Yeshua is seated. 
enthroned with the Father. In his trial before the Sanhedrin, Yeshua said, they said, are you the son of the blessed one? And he said, I am, woo, and you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witness? Witness of what? Of blasphemy. Yeshua says, uh, you'll see that he's going to be seated at the right hand of power. He's going to share the enthronement with God. That is too much. Uh, we read in Revelation 22, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. The throne of God and of the Lamb. Yeshua is seated on the throne of God. That is too much. And his servants will worship him. Now, you may not believe this. That's okay. I can't force it on you. But you want to understand what the Bible says? That's what it says. H-A-N-D-S. Honor. Attributes. Name. Deeds. And he is seated where only God can be seated. The, the throne connotes kingly power and authority. So let's bring it all together and read again this passage we read earlier. I'd like someone else, someone else to read this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came to be through him and without him, nothing had being. In him was life and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not suppressed it. There was a man sent from God whose name was Yohanan. He came to be a testimony, to bear witness concerning the light, so that through him everyone might put his trust in God and be faithful to him. He himself was not that light. No, he came to bear witness concerning the light. This was the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. He was in the world. The world came to be through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his homeland, his own homeland, yet his own people did not receive him. But to as many as did receive him, to those who put their trust in his person and power, he gave the right to become children of God not because of bloodline, physical impulse, or human intention, but because of God. The word became a human being and lived with us, and we saw his Shekinah, the Shekinah of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Okay, my friends, I want to thank you all for coming. What do you think about what we've just considered? Any comments? Any yes, questions? Rabbi. Rabbi, this is Richard. Uh, I was remembering when Jesus said, you have given me your name. What the name Yeshua had was the name that God gave, that God revealed to Moses on Sinai. I am that I will be yod Hey vav Hey. So God gave Yeshua the name yod Hey vav Hey. Yeah, we're going to see this in the, in the Aleno. That of the name, so that the name belonging to Yeshua, every knee should bend and every tongue confess 
that the Shua is Adonai to the glory of God the Father. Anyone else? One more. I really, I appreciate what you said about not uh, trying to give people these ways of understanding the Trinity. You know, it's like this or like that, or the, it's very, it's um, almost dishonoring to, to try to box him in. And, and I, I hadn't really thought of that. I always thought it was just trying to be helpful. And, but I, I think it does rob God, God of his majesty. He's beyond, in some cases, he's just beyond understanding. We just have to admit to it. Well, you can at least, if you're going to do that, say to the person, now what I'm going to show you right now is really inadequate. And the reason is, is that we're talking about not just God and his greatness, but he is the uncreated one. We don't know anything else in all our experience that's uncreated. All we know is a created order. So we're always talking about God in terms of what he is not. We're talking about God in terms of created things, time, space, continuum, and he is beyond that. So therefore, although we do have revelation from God and the word did become flesh and dwell among us and he became a human being, still, we should not be reluctant to say this, all of this is really out of our depth. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. I'm not, I'm not copying out. I'm saying, let's respect the goddessness of God and realize that uh, we can uh, acknowledge and respect what has been shown to us, but we cannot master what has been shown to us. It's way beyond our pay grade. So I think it is appropriate that we follow this with the Alenu, because the Alenu takes us where the revelation of God has taken us today. I'm glad you were here.